Hit it. Hey there, this is Don Heffington, and you are listening to Radio 8 Ball with Andras Jones. Yes. Welcome to the Radio 8 Ball. Give us a shake. We're here in your ear. Tempting fate wherever you are. Questions put to song. Welcome to a special and sad edition of the Radio 8 Ball Show. I'm your host, Andras Jones, and this is the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions, like picking musical tarot cards. I was in the middle of preparing our season three finale when I got the news that on July 20th, of this year, 2021, the great Chucky Weiss had departed this world after living here with cancer for the last few years. It was during these years that Chuck was a guest on Radio 8 Ball several times. As you'll hear, I'm a big fan of his, and uh, every time he was on the show, it was uh, an honor, just a, a treat, an exciting treat that brought out the, I don't know, excited puppy of a man inside of me. Anyway, um, this bonus episode gathers all of Chuck's appearances in one big memorial episode, and he deserves it. And, uh, well, you do as well. I know I say it's sad, but There's a lot of joy in Chucky's voice and in these interactions and a lot of laughter and a lot of humor and a lot of great music and maybe a glimpse into a musical world that if you're not already familiar with it, uh, will give you some great artists to follow up on. So let's start with an episode recorded on September 13th, 2017 at Starburns Industries in Burbank, California where Chuck was a guest asking a question to the Pop Oracle with his friends in the band All Day Sucker. And welcome back to Radio 8 Ball. I'm your host, Andras Jones, and this is the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions, like picking musical tarot cards. We're here in the studio with All Day Sucker, providing the oracle fodder for our musical divination. Say hi, guys. Hi. Hi. Hey. And we're here with Chuck E. Weiss, the legend, the Hollywood legend on the line here from the aforementioned Hollywood. Welcome, Chuck E. Weiss. Hey, brother. How you doing? It's great to have you here. Now, you know these guys. You've played with uh, Morty and the guys for years, right? Yeah, or- from the central to the... Chuck E. is partially yeah, the sure. reason. Yeah, sure. Off yeah. and on. Off and on for uh, a lot of years. And, and you used to have a, a regular residency, basically, at the Central with a band called The Goddamn Liars. Goddamn Liars. That's right. Every Monday. Every Monday. 
and uh, we're huge. You know, I, I, I'm a huge fan of your record, Extremely Cool. It's one of my favorite songs and records. Oh, and, cool. <laughs> That's wonderful. And we have a... Rocking at the Kibitz Room. <laughs> yeah, you wrote a song about these guys. Isn't that, isn't that the case? What are you talking about? About the Kibitz Room band? Didn't you have a... Well, it, no, it's not about them. It's just about the <laughs> Kibitz Room. But, I mean, if Morty wants to believe it's about him... <laughs> you said, you said Tuesday night, you stunk. <laughs> so, uh, is there, so you know, for, for those of us, maybe for those people who are wondering what you're up to these days, where are you, are you, you playing music? Is there a place we can find, your, find you playing? What's going on with you? Well, I'm temporarily out of service right now. Uh, so it's... Uh, Hopefully, it's just temporarily. Of course, it is, that is to be hoped. Uh, well, then yeah. it's even then we're even we're even more happy to be having you here now to be a part of this. <clears throat> so, what is your what's your question for the Pop Oracle, Chucky Wise? What is that? Why, why is that god awful uh, thing in, in in Cleveland, that uh, Hall of Fame? What, what, <laughs> why is it there? Why is it there? And, and what, what, what is it for? <laughs> Why is it there, and what I is it for? It. The Rock and Roll yeah. Hall of Fame. And now, yeah. so to engage the Pop Oracle, on your behalf, I am now going to spin the Wheel of Eight. Okay. Na, 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 na. Oh, God. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Two, three. Na, 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 na. And that is song number eight, which is worst case scenario. I saw her across an overcrowded after hours warehouse. She seemed to bring the dance floor to a standstill Her accelerated lifestyle seemed to celebrate my wind down She waved a glow stick in her hand But all I saw was landfill I was caught between the new wave and the Better good than the worst case scenario. My best better good than the worst case scenario. I took her two canners for a coffee, cause her buzz was wearing off. She sat there staring at the ceiling, and I got this awful feeling. I was failing as I tried to relate. And as I waved a waitress down, she put her gum on my plate. She said, You seem really nice, but you refuse to evolve. I bet you're still listening to rumors, glass houses, and revolver. But I've never seen Star Wars, and I don't think I'm gonna get involved with the guy who used to masturbate to Madonna. She said, what has Lindsay Buckingham done lately? 
I'm sitting here at Canners with no answers Except that rock and roll can't save me Oh, 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 best, better, good Bad, the worst case scenario My best, better, good Bad, the worst case scenario My nostalgia's the useless trivia She barely endures She said you'd be trying to recapture my youth I said that I just want the top of it of yours Oh yeah Sitting there alone I finally from growing didn't show until I started slowing down best better good bad the worst case scenario my best better good bad the worst case scenario I never saw the glimpse never had a chance never saw the sign it seemed like it was creeping up to me every time That goes to raves and I rant I don't have a chance I never had a chance No best, better, good Bad, the worst case scenario Oh, 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 oh My best, better, good Bad, the worst case scenario Oh, oh, my worst case scenario And that was Worst Case Scenario by All Day Sucker, the answer to Chucky Weiss's question. Hey, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, why is it there? And what's its purpose? And we have Chucky Weiss here on the line. Were you able to hear that song very well there through the speakers, Chucky? Yeah, man. So, uh... Let me me, me reiterate something. Um, Yes, I did write a tribute song... (laughs) About 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 Morty's <laughs> Tuesday nights, but it wasn't specifically about Morty. No, no, no. It was about no, the I, whole atmosphere of, of, of course. the Tuesday night thing. Of course, of course. Well, I was I merely resembled that comment. So, uh, so Morty, you want to tell us a little bit about where that song comes from? Yeah, actually, it, it, the song mentions Cantors a few times in yeah. there. And the truth is, uh, just to give props to Chucky for a second, Chucky is... is uh, was not just a musical influence, but an ethos influence on the band. He gave us like our first really big break at the Central on a Monday night. We had been playing coffee houses. We had broken up and gotten back together with the band The Imposters. And Chucky had us opening for him on Monday nights, and we became sort of ubiquitous with opening for his set. And we drove by looking at the marquee for years. He is a local legend, but also really means a lot to us for helping us get our get our start really and 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 showing us that you always play all the time except when jay asks me to so uh and and but 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 morty so when what about that and, and about the that song, song was basically our version of hey 19 it was about dating young girls and when you get to a certain age there's no older ones right yeah we started just dating <laughs> you date, you know just dating young women and and basically it was about dating young women um and uh 
and and sort of being out of step with them and not really getting it at the time there was a lot of raves and crap like that and i go there and feel completely out of my element but you know they're still pretty girls so you take them to canners and that's where you would end up and and uh, especially girls that look like my dad <laughs> oh there you go <laughs> <laughs> i know that one man wow. so uh, a little bring back from many from the from many years ago for all you goddamn liars fans <laughs> uh so so chucky uh what did you think about that as the answer to your question about the hall of fame and maybe what inspired your question about the hall of fame i can i gather you're a huge fan of it <laughs> can't yeah, you tell I'm just uh, thinking about it night and day uh <laughs> But uh, no, I, I I haven't had my uh, question answered yet. Well, there's a and yeah. you know what? I don't care if it, it, it gets answered. Well, I have some ideas here. Oh, how? Uh, oh, 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 Jay, Jay has an idea. The DJ, yeah, Alan, the Freed. first DJ that used the term rock and roll, Alan was Freed. the DJ in Cleveland. Was the DJ? Oh, the first yeah, Alan Freed was the to make the term and, rock and roll, and he DJ was known as he was a known uh, Alan Freed. Well, yes. he's the guy that did that and then got busted in the payola scandal, right. and after sort of That's helping to bring oh. rock and roll. No. Yeah, but, oh, but yeah. you know what? That but didn't it, happen. In, that didn't happen in Cleveland. That happened in New York. Yeah. That's what when I he heard. Was in yeah. Cleveland, when he was in Cleveland, nobody knew who the hell he was. Then somebody should tell the rock and roll so, name well, that. It's well, let, let me tell. Okay, so he he. He, he's taken the liberty of coining the term rock and roll, and, it, and that's not true. It was around years before he he was around. So uh, the whole thing uh, the whole thing doesn't pass. The I smell suppose you're going to tell me Elvis isn't well, the king of rock and roll. Well, I have let's 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 <laughs> back up because because the idea here is that the song answers the question, and there are many many answers to exactly. this question in the song. So first of all, worst case scenario, yes, the idea that rock and roll would be enshrined in some sort of corporate Cleveland. hall of fame in Cleveland <laughs> is a worst case scenario situation. For sure. Yeah, because you're not and, passing through there to go to the other Cleveland, you know. Disneyland. And, a film and, Hall of Fame, right? and then the other part of it is that the song is about him trying to impress this young woman who is completely out of touch with the this old guard of rock and roll that he's into. So like there's this weird for me there's this whole sense of like the people who the people who love the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame either have they have money in the game, they have blood in the game, they want their stuff to get more, you know, get pumped because of it, or it's speaking to people who don't know what the original thing was, and so they're willing to take the the phony corporate version of rock and roll instead of even what they were before they, you know, the great bands before they got corporatized. Um, hmm. But they, but uh, I do have one question about this song. Yeah. Because supposedly this woman in the song, she doesn't, she's not, she's not really hip to all the stuff that the guy is. She's not a woman. But she is saying. She but is she, now. But she, but she does know <laughs> to reference glass houses. This Billy right, because I, I I basically sat with her at a table and I went, oh, don't you know Fleetwood Mac and Billy Joel and you know and the Beatles and she's like, you're still listening to those albums, huh? And that's kind of in a weird way, like the, the <laughs> she, in a way she's rejecting in the song, she's rejecting all of the, those old guard acts that yeah. make up the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ethos. Right. Absolutely, she's right. basically saying, you know that shit that you thought was hip and cool it's and dead. edgy. That was <laughs> that was what you listened to, Fonzie. <laughs> yeah, and now <laughs> now we're listening to you know CNC Music Factory or whatever the fuck you know and that's your you know and that's your um that's dude that's where we're at today dude you want to live in the future i mean you want to yeah. live in the present and i don't 
I just want to drag her into my past because that's where I feel comfortable. I like what she's wearing, but I wouldn't mind if she wouldn't bring it to some place where it was palatable with my tastes. Yeah. Like Cantor's. Like yes. Like <laughs> Next time bring her to Cleveland. It doesn't match so, with the swastika. And by the way, the other thing is when we opened for Chucky on uh, the show where they gave him his plaque, because afterwards he would tell everybody he was going to Ben Frank's and would invariably wow. end up at, he would invariably end up at Cantor's and hold shrine there with the guys and we were we were happy enough to be sitting at the table with him it was a proud moment and when the, the night that Mark Cantor gave him the plaque that went up at there we dressed up like Cantor's waitresses and I still have my uh, I, I still have my that uniform was great man <laughs> yeah and we did sweet transvestite but that was a that was a it was an honor for us and a privilege to have been able to hey, do something they took it like down that. they took it down bro yeah what's up with they that they took down man. your plaque uh, did they yeah. send it? Did Rodney they send it to the? Did, did they send it to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? <laughs> <laughs> they just no, sent it to Cleveland. No, they didn't do that. <laughs> some uh, some woman uh, who was a relative uh, told me she never heard of it. So, yeah, I, I don't know who she was. I think maybe she was Mark's cousin or something. Well, we're so going to have him on the show later on. We can ask him about it. I'd like to. That and Manny's plaque. Yeah. yeah. Huh. The, the whole mystery, the mystery of the lost Cantor's plaques. They're in there. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah they, there's a mystery if there. If you open them up, your face burns off. Chucky, is there anything that you want to let people know about before, you know, just some words of wisdom you want to share with our many, many listeners before we let you go? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm good with the, with the way things are right now. <laughs> <laughs> How is that possible? How can no. you be good with the way things are right now? Just the the way the conversation is. Okay, okay, okay. Wow. (laughs) We're going to skip ahead now to Chuck's final appearance on the show with a couple of his oldest friends on May 15th, 2018 at Starburns Industries in Burbank, California with Don Heffington. But first, let's check out a portion of the segment that preceded Chuck's appearance on the show, in which his friend Paul Bodie reminisces about their days hanging around the Troubadour in the 1970s. Now, I did a little bit of research on you. On, that, I did. The well, FBI probably has a bigger file than, <laughs> than you could find, but you know, be my guess. Well, the the first thing that I came across, I, I did a search for you, and I found that you're referenced in a Tom Waits song that he. The Chucky Weiss, Tom Waits song? Right, yeah. Which song is that? Uh, Rains on Me. Rains on Me. Right, yeah. And why? how did that happen? Oh, because uh, I knew Waits and Chucky. I've known those guys for 40 years from when I used to work at the Troubadour. And that's how I got to know Tom and all that stuff. What did you do at the Troubadour? Um, as little as possible. But I was <laughs> a doorman. I was a doorman. This is funny because Chucky Weiss, who's going to be our guest yeah. coming up, when we had Elaney on, he they were reminiscing about how he taught her how to be a good door person. And the uh, thing he taught her was you got to hold on to the money because oh. someone might come and grab it. Oh, <laughs> so my God. He made her all nervous to, like, could she hold the money if someone yeah. came and tried to grab it? Did anyone ever try and grab the money from No, me? no, no. I was a doorman. Chucky got that. Chucky worked in the kitchen at the oh, Troubadour. Really? Uh, master chef. Um, master chef. Um, was he really? The money thing. No, no. I, I had nothing to do with the money except 
if a show was sold out and people wanted to get in. Oh, okay. That's when I handled the money. Got it. So He doormat- was always there. He knows where all the bodies are buried. Yeah. So what years were you there? Uh, from 73 to about 80. So like, so like the, 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 the bummer years, the years when not a lot was going on. Yeah, not a lot was going on. <laughs> this is where everything was like the whole world was coming out yeah, of the Yeah, it, 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 was, it, was, it was pretty hot. It was pretty hot. Were, I mean, what was like the, I'm sure there were many, many highlights, but when you, are there any ones that you want to share? Oh, Miles Davis, seeing, he, did, he played three nights, so he had to do two shows, seeing him for six nights. Wow. At the height of the, the it, was, it, was, it was the big electric band with, with Pete Cozy and, like and all Bitches those Brew, that no, 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 it was after Bitches Brew. These were more like the Jack soul, Johnson. Not, not, it was right around that time, but these were the more soul guys. Yeah, uh, heavy with uh, Al Foster on drums, who just beat the heck out of his drums, hmm. and Pete Cozy on guitar, and and uh, it was heavy. Michael Henderson on bass, who was Stevie Wonder's bass player. Wow, it was something, man. It was something, and he also that's when I uh, he called me a name that uh, when he came in. What? What do you call? What do you call you? Can I say it on the air? You can say whatever you want. Uh, um, no, here. Okay, here's what happened. He comes into the troubadour. I let him into the troubadour, and he comes in, and he's got this white fur coat on, and he's with his whole band, and they look like a gang. And you know, and Miles has, you know, Miles had that that aura about him. Yeah. It's kind of scary. You don't want to mess with him. So he he goes in and sits down as the people are coming in. You know, and people are looking at me and say, what, what, you know, what is he doing? You know, so, and, and he motions me over, and I go over to him, and I say, yeah, Mr. Davis, what can I get for you? And he mumbles something because he couldn't talk. Yeah, no, you know, yeah, he had that yeah, voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I said, oh, Mr. Davis, you want a rum and Coke? <laughs> and he looks at me, man, like I said, the squarest thing <laughs> in the world. And he said, no, nah, motherfucker, Remy Martin. And so I went and got him as Remy yeah. Martin. <laughs> so I got called motherfucker by Miles Davis. There that's, you go, man. You know, and, 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 it's like and, a hickey from Kanicki when yeah, you care but, to but spend no, the but, very best. Yeah, but no, I mean, but Troubadour was great. I mean, it was a, a great job. Um, it was a good period. Back yeah, then. it was a good period being in Hollywood. Yeah. But anyway, that's where I know Waits and, and, and Big Head Chucky from. Yeah, Big Head Chucky, that's that's what you call him? Yeah, because cause, uh, Chucky said he knew Muddy Waters, right? You know, because yeah. because when when you get a bunch of record geeks like Chucky was or Chucky is and me together in a room, we always try to outdo each other. Well, I know this guy, this guy, and and Chucky said he knew Muddy Waters, and I said, man, you don't know Muddy Waters. And then Muddy Waters was playing up the street, and we went up to see Muddy Waters playing. And Chucky said, let's go up to the dressing room. I'm going to introduce you to Muddy Waters. I said, you don't know Muddy Waters. And so he took us up to the dressing room, and we walked into the dressing room, and Muddy says, if it ain't that old big head Chucky Weiss. So, <laughs> so, so that's, um, I mean, that, that's case. He yeah. got you. He, he got me. <laughs> yeah. He got me. He got me. Yeah. So, and I'm told you also had a band? Yeah, I had a band. Sheiks of Shake? Sheiks of Shake. We put a single out called Bullets in My Gun, uh, which was instrumentally that the we put it together from the, from that scene in King Kong where the guys are dancing, Kong, Kong, dun, dun, it sounded sort of like that. I wanted to sound sort of like that. <laughs> and what what year did that come out? Uh, 79. 79? Yeah, 79. That, that was the height of my uh, recording career. And did you, who was, who 
anyone you want to mention who was in the band? Or you oh, yeah, we, we had Louis Lister, a guy named Carlos Dickian that was on the record, and John Real Gun Sanborn played guitar. We were like a psychedelic blues band. Yeah, it was a good band. You know, it was, it was, it was, it was pretty good. It was fun. And you played the Troubadour? Uh, yeah, we played the Troubadour, but we, but we played all the other places, too, like Blackies, uh, Hong Kong, the On Club, every place. You open a hole, we play it. <laughs> As we move on to Chuck's appearance on the show, it should be mentioned that Don Heffington, who is the musical guest for this episode, is another friend of the show who passed on this year. I recorded a tribute to Don, which will run in our season finale. He was one of the greats. And listening to these two old friends laugh and share memories is one of the real treasures we've captured over the years. I wish I was a believer in an afterlife because imagining these two meeting on the other side and grooving into eternity together is an image that warms my heart. Welcome back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions like picking musical tarot cards. I'm your host, Andras Jones, here in the studio with Don Heffington. Yes. And he's been providing the oracle fodder for our musical divinations, joined on the bass by Dominic Genova. Wonderfully. And now we have the return to Radio 8 Ball of... uh, you know, I, I don't want to make anyone else feel bad, but probably my favorite guest. <laughs> and we were talking about him in the last episode. Let's welcome him back to Radio 8 Ball, Chucky Weiss. Hey, brother. How you doing? Oh, very good. So glad to have you back. Oh, good, good. I'm, I feel like I'm uh, like a semi-regular now, something. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we just had an old friend of yours asking a question. Paul Bodie was in here. Oh, Bodie, yeah, sure. And he told us the story of you and Muddy Waters. <laughs> well, I don't know which one, uh, which story well, is Well, the, the story was that you had been telling him that you knew Muddy Waters and he didn't believe you. And then you took, oh, yeah. you took him backstage to meet Buddy, Muddy Waters. And the first thing he said is, if it isn't old big head Chucky Weiss. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, many years ago, brother. Yeah. Many years ago. Well, I, I, you know, I guess maybe, and you know, in relation, I guess it isn't that long ago, really. Uh, <laughs> nineteen, uh, I'd say maybe nineteen seventy-six. That's not 75. that long ago. No, no, it really doesn't seem like it. <laughs> so, so Chuck, how do you and how do you and Don know know each other? Don, you invited Chuck. What, how, what's the we connection? Met, if I, uh, uh, well, we Don, oh, go ahead, Chuck. Well, who do I? Wait, 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 wait. Who, who, who do you ask this question? To the, Don let's start with you, Chuck. Tell us, tell us how you guys know each other. Well, <clears throat> Don uh, gave me my start in uh, showbiz. Uh, I I went to uh, stay in Silver Lake. At my friend's house uh, because I didn't I didn't have a uh, apartment yet or so uh, Don was very good friends with uh, the, the guy it was Tom Waits he was friends with him and he came over to visit Tom Tom wasn't there but I was there and uh, we got to talking and uh, 
pretty soon we uh, conjured up a little act <laughs> where uh, I would get up on stage, play the drums, and Don would talk, and then he would play the drums, and I would talk. And it was mostly a spoken word spoken situation. Word. Oh. And it was right, right, right in the midst of... Uh, when, when the Troubadour had Jackson Brown and Linda Ronstadt and all those kind of acts, we were doing this uh, oddball stuff. <laughs> and uh, that is that. That sounds like an amazing gig. I mean, is, there any, is there any record of this? I think it's gone with the wind. I don't know. Wow. That... I, had, I did have a tape, and I don't know what I did with it. Uh, Chuck, the, this the, has become the, your bit. You did this with, with Elaney. When we were like, there was like a, there's another tape. You were like, oh, we did this one song together. I know it's on a tape somewhere. You're teasing us, <laughs> oh, Chuck. Well, no, well, this really, uh, this was really an act, <laughs> and we did tape it, and we never rehearsed. We just made up things as we went along. What was and, it called? Uh, it was out there, man. What were you God, called? I don't. We didn't call it anything. You just showed it was just Don and Chuck. Oh, was it I red beans and Weiss? Re- was it re- <laughs> red beans and Weiss? <laughs> well, it might have been Heckle and Schmeckle. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not sure. Uh, I can't recall exactly. <laughs> So Don, have you ever have you played have you played on any of Chuck's records? Of course, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Which were like which ones? Oh, let's know? see the. Were you on Extremely Cool? That's my. That's like. No, that was my no, first, no, and you never forget no. your first. Well, the the few after that, few yeah. after that, yeah. But we'd been playing together way before that. Chuck and I'd been playing in that band. Uh, yeah, Don. Don was the original drummer in the band, and then. Uh, he took a, a tour to Europe and uh, didn't come back for a while, so I replaced <laughs> him uh, with a couple of subs yeah. during the time that I think Extremely Cool was being recorded. Yeah. What was the European gig that you... I, I don't remember. It might have been... I'm not sure. might have been Amy Lou. might have been Amy Lou. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever... Have you done... Have you ever traveled together, the two of you? San Francisco. That's about it. You made it up to San Francisco we made for a it gig. To San Francisco, right? Yeah, but I think we met uh, went up there more than once. I'm not sure. Yeah, probably. Yeah, we went up there. Yeah. Oh yeah, we've done a lot of stuff, me and Charles. Yeah. yeah. I've, this is. Yeah, yeah. I'm like I have this. I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I have, I'm having this very experience of feeling so happy to be here hearing the story and also being so jealous not to have been there. Like <laughs> it's like oh, it's so juicy. I love it. Um, so, you know, I, I've told people, and like my introduction to Chuck was uh, Chuck Weiss and the Goddamn Liars at the Central, the old Central, right? Back in the back in well, back in the day to me, which is still latter days well, Don, for you guys. Don, Don was Don was a, the drummer back then, so you probably saw him. Were we? Uh, the, was our first gig at the Roxy, or was it at the Central? Uh, I can't remember what our first gig was. Well, we did no. We did a we we did a thing at the Central, but I think it was called All That Jazz, and then they changed the name to the Central. Uh, I can't remember. And then we then we did the Roxy. 
Uh, and we had we had uh, we had your uh, we had like a guy playing Chuck's conscience and a guy playing his manager, <laughs> and they'd they'd argue clear through the show. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> and yeah, we also had to be my conscience. Yeah, one, one of the guys. Yeah, conscience and your manager. And then uh, and then we also had wild or not wild man. Uh, um, uh, the the guy that did the uh, the chairs. What was Iron Jaw. Iron Jaw. Yeah, he could he could tap dance and juggle twelve sta- twelve chairs, and uh, yeah, we had yeah, a review. Could, we had a show. We gave him a show. Well, I, the thing I loved about the about the goddamn liars was they were such a it was such a great band, and there was funny, but it wasn't comedy. It was like it was funny in a way that was absurd, and that felt like richer than just being funny. But all that like, you know, come out, you know, come out and meet me for for dinner afterwards <laughs> goddamn liars and then you kick in again i just love that i still do that yeah. sometimes like I, i'll just i'll ch- no one will get it around me i'll be in the middle of some state some place where nobody knows any of this stuff and then i'll just say something that's not true and then say goddamn liars and expect yeah. them to get it and everyone's like what are you doing <laughs> yeah. yeah well you know and this is great the the last two times you've been on the show you've been on with people who are more like I guess people might, you know, more like uh, people who who grew up l- under you, like Eleni Mandel, who was kind of a protege, and and Morty Coyle and All Day Sucker and the Imposters, who were opening bands, were an opening band for you. But it's great to be ha- have you here with someone who's more of a contemporary, someone you actually came up with. It was, it's great to hear the story. So Don was like the first one of the first people you met when you moved out to L.A. He might have been the first. I'm, I'm not sure, but I, he might have been the first. He was. He was. He was the first friend that I had when I moved out here. He was, I, he I was remember really on. I saw you down at the uh, at at uh, was it at Dante's with Tom oh, yeah. with Tom and I was sitting with uh, with Jerry Jumanville. and yeah, and, you were, and you. Uh, Red Fox was there that night. I th- yeah, yeah, I think he was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but uh, Chucky Weiss and Red Fox in the same room. Yeah, can't beat it. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Did he do a set? Or was he just hanging yeah, he out? Got a, he got up and he he he, uh, he did some rapping with. Uh, who, who was he with? Uh, Don was it with? Uh, I can't remember, man. I know we went down and we were watching Pete Chrisley because he'd played on one of Waits' records, so. Oh, yeah. God, those guys. <laughs> so, and did you did you work with Waits as well, Don? Uh, I recorded a little bit of stuff that nothing much came of. We did, uh, you know, he wrote that song with me. I, well, you know, I put some of his stuff to music on the last record. Right. And, uh, you know, that's nice. But I've known him forever. He's a good, you know. Long time. He's pretty good. He's all right, isn't he? <laughs> He's pretty good. <laughs> I have only, I've only, I only got to, I've only gotten to see him. I'm a big fan, but I, like a lot, like everyone. But I only got to see him once. I saw him at the Bridge concert. The you know, the first the time, time I ever live. saw Waits, he was a doorman at a place called the Heritage down in San Diego. You're friends with all the doormen. Yeah, exactly. Tom right? Waits, Paul Bodie. And then after that. He, uh, you know, we started hanging around in Hollywood and go down and get some awful tattoos. You know, we had 
I guess we had a competition to see who could get the worst tattoos, and I think I won. You know. I mean, I'm not a big tattoo fan, but I think there are people out there who are big tattoo fans who are like, getting tattoos with Tom Waits is about as cool as it could get. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to get buried in the weeds, my brother. Okay. What? <laughs> no, if you, if, you get a, if you get a tattoo, they'll bury you in the weeds. Oh, I got you. Oh. Yeah, right, right, God. right. Are you tattooless? <laughs> Chuck, are you are you no uh, tattoos? No tattoos. No tattoos. Me right. neither. Yeah, me neither. Go. All right. There you go. I am as God made me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kosher. Very in the weeds. <laughs> Obviously, that means something. They're, they're going to bury Don in the weeds, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right, man. <laughs> uh, Lenny Bruce used to say, well, they can cut that arm off and, you know, give me a decent burial. <laughs> yeah. Right? When you say that, when you say, and I just have to ask, because the people you're talking about, the, did you ever, I mean, were you, you, Lenny was before you guys. Oh, yeah. Way before. Way before. <laughs> Well, he was before us, but I'll tell you something. I came here on a visit uh, in the 60s, and uh, when I came to visit my, my dad's aunt, and he was uh, hanging out at Canners with, with a bunch of guys. So I got to see him. I didn't know him or anything. Really? Yeah. Hanging with Lenny Bruce at Canters. Yeah, that is to hang out there. From uh, what I understand, that's my that's the synagogue that I want to go to. <laughs> yeah. Well, his wife was well, around. I, Honey Bruce was around town. His wife. You ever meet her? Oh yeah, she was around. Sure. She was around. Yeah. You know, when we had your your former bandmate Marvin Etzioni on the show, we talked a lot about Lotus Weinstock, who who is uh, the mother of Lily Hayden, who okay. probably everyone yeah. here mm-hmm. knows and has played with and adores. And she went out with. She was going out with Lenny when he when he died. She was his. Uh, he was she was his girlfriend at the time. Oh yeah. And so, uh, did you ever cross paths with Lotus? Because she was like a big. Not that I know. She of. was like she was a comedian. Um, she was great. She was like my adopted. Me and my buddy Josh Clayton felt when we moved out from uh, Massachusetts. They Lotus kind of adopted us, and she was our <laughs> L.A. mom. Did you ever cross paths with Lotus, Chuck? Yeah, she she lived like two blocks away. Oh at yeah. The Katona and. Uh, not the Cretona, the, God, the place on Franklin there. Uh, oh, oh sh- I can't remember the name of it. It's still there. It's right hmm. across from the bourgeois bid. Oh, uh, that's so funny. That's Carlotta. Yeah. Carlotta. Oh, right. I think she, she, she died there because what? Uh, I went to her uh, wake there. Mm-hmm. So she was still living there when she, you know, she when she passed away, she's still living there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's a great, great lady. Any chance? I, I thanks for giving me the opportunity to bring her name up. I mm-hmm. I love to to honor her. Speaking of which, have you either of you played with Lily Hayden ever? I don't. I have. Have you played? I don't. Yeah. Where Where did you play with Lily? Uh, I used to have a trio that we played at Highland Grounds all the time. And uh, I remember those days. Willie would come and sit in, and uh, it was pretty cool, man. That would have been in. She would have come to Holland Grounds because she wouldn't have been twenty-one yet. That was just, she was good enough to play with the pros, but couldn't get into the into the clubs. Well, um, yeah, she was she was pretty innovative for for a young girl. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
unbelievable. Yeah, no, she's she's amazing. So you can tell that I'm just milking this opportunity to sit here and drop names and ask questions to you guys. But we do need to get to the, to the divination portion. And I know you were fishing around for your question, but I have no doubt it's going to be one that's, that's wonderful. What do you have for us, Chuck? Oh. <laughs> well, uh, I think I want to know, it's got to be something about my cats. Why... It's got to be something about the cat boxes themselves. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I want to know where to get the old-fashioned cat box, litter box, <laughs> <laughs> that does not leak. And, it's important. Uh, and fits nice into a corner of the of your of your place. Okay. Well, so I need, I need an old-fashioned cat. A litter box. Not these new ones that are all flimsy and everything. <laughs> Chuck is looking for an old-fashioned old litter box yeah, for his cats. Important question. And <clears throat> so the question, so we're now down to two questions, two song answers left on the board. One of them is song number four, Avenue C, and the other one is song number five, Time to Drink Whiskey. And we are going to determine which song is going to be the answer to your question by flipping the Radio 8 coin, the binary musical divination tool. If it lands on heads, it'll be song number four, Avenue C. And if it comes up on tails, it's going to be song number five, Time to Drink Whiskey. Don, would you mind flipping the coin for us to keep it really honest? Okay. And so he's going to flip... It's the Radio 8 coin. <laughs> That's horrible. It's purple side. What is that? That's Tails, which is song number five, Time to Drink Whiskey. Oh, okay. I don't know, but let's see. Let's see what happens. Let's see. Uh, one, two, three, two, two, three. My car's up in Denver, the manifold's blown. I lost the keys to the house that my wife says she owns. She took all the Carl Perkins and even the stones. Now it seems I've got nothing but time. The skies have turned cloudy, the clouds are all gray, and I'm drunk in a park where my kids used to play. I had a girl that once loved me, but she's gone away. Now it seems I've got nothing but time. Well, I've got time to remember, time to regret, time to drink whiskey and to smoke cigarettes. It seems to go on forever. It's not over yet Well, these days there's nothing but time Hit it There's a place in St. Louis The band used to go 
And we'd laugh And we'd play songs that we didn't know While the fair and tender maidens Lined all in a row Yeah, St. Louis seems just like a dream Now I can hardly remember The people I've met For the cheap southern whiskey And the stale cigarettes It seems to go on forever It's not over yet Don't know just what I thought I would find Yeah, but these days there's nothing but time That was Time, Time to Drink, drink whiskey. whiskey from Don Heffington. The answer to Chuck <laughs> E. Weiss's question, where can I get an old-fashioned litter box? <laughs> what a terrible question. I apologize. No, no. no. See, <laughs> this, this is question. so... Okay, so... I want to chronicle... I want to chronicle your questions. You've asked three questions on the show, and I will never forget them. The first one was, why is that monstrosity in Cleveland? Talking about the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Why does that even yeah. exist? The other one is, where can I get some good soup bones? <laughs> and now, where can I get an old-fashioned litter box? These are great yeah, questions. I I, no one else has ever asked anything close to any of them, and I love it. It's very specific, <laughs> and I love it. So, so, All right, I'll, I'll go along with you, but boy, I, I'm, I'm not in agreement, really. <laughs> so, 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 Don, tell us about the, the background of that song. Where, uh, where does it come from? Well, I was living in Nashville. I was sleeping on the, fo- on the floor, and I was going, you know, it was just one of those periods, you know. Uh, I, uh, I'm going through... Uh, I was going through a, a little uh, difficult divorce, and I actually wasn't drinking, but I may as well have been, and uh, this is the song that came out of that. That's about it. So, uh, wait, you, when, was, when did you write this? I guess about 92, maybe? 92. yeah. Ah, so you wrote it the year you got divorced was the year I got married. Oh, really? There you go. Yeah, I wonder what you were doing the year I got divorced. Yeah. Okay. That's that's a story for another litter box. Yeah. Uh, so so, Chuck, did you find yeah. any? What did you hear anything in the song that that <laughs> set you in the in the direction of the litter box you seek? Well, I think there are many things in that song that uh, are going to help me find the, uh, <laughs> an old fashioned litter box. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I, I think I think I, I appreciate it. Well, there I'll I'll, I'll jump in here. Well, first of all, now it starts off when my car is up in Denver. Do I remember 
from the time you were on with Elaney and we talked about how you moved to Hollywood, moved to L.A. and then you moved back and you moved to L.A. And where you moved back to, was it Denver? I don't know what uh, what time I was referring to. But did you, I went back and, did you live in Denver? Yeah. I knew oh, that. Yeah I, was, yeah, I was born there. So when you experienced these these old fashioned litter boxes were they in was it when you were growing up or are you talk like how old fashioned are you talking about well i guess no i guess that would be a, yeah correct you know uh somewhere in the 60s you know was a real thick rubber well i don't even know plastic kind of a plastic rubber thing <laughs> they were really durable man yeah and you could <clears throat> cut a hole in the side of it and make like a little pond for your turtles. Yeah. So it was uh, like waterproof also. Yeah. They don't make them like they used to. No. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm looking through the different, the different pieces in this. Like, I also think there's something, I don't know why we, th- I feel like we've talked about this or we've gotten into this before about how, you're talking about cats, and you guys are like to me quintessential cats that I'm hanging to get getting to hang out with in the room. So I'm trying to think. I'm trying to like find the metaphor. Like, what is so like actual cats need a litter litter box? What do metaphorical like music cats? What would be the 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 analog for a, a litter box for like musicians for cats? Like not just a toilet. Like where do like where do cats leave their scat? I'm talking about the uh-huh. musician cats. Where do they leave it? Yeah, I, mean, I guess they leave it on the records. Like they, <laughs> you leave your shit on the records. Like the records are the old are are the ultimate litter box, right? The vinyl. Yeah, depending on the record, I guess. Yeah. And and sort of like what you're saying, like there's this whole like this back to vinyl movement. Eventually, that we might have like this. Like artisan back to litter box movement where people are building old school. Like people are going to listen to this and they'll be like, where are these old school litter boxes that Chucky Weiss is talking about? <laughs> I didn't personally know uh, there was that much difference between the old and litter. This is new to me. So, uh, <laughs> you know. Do you have cats, Don? No, I don't. I've got a dog. Well, see, then why? how would you know? Right, exactly. You're not yeah. a cat person. Yeah, right. Chuck is a cat person. You're a dog person. Yeah, I am a just a yeah. lonely person. I have I have a I have a, an aloe vera plant. <laughs> <laughs> it's great, for, I, but I tell you, it's a, it's it's a wonderful drinking companion. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, easy to talk to. Yes, and if I accidentally burn myself with a lighter or something, just rip off a piece of it. And yeah, set, it man. yeah, it'll yeah help you out. No bliss, no blisters. No blisters, Meester. <laughs> well, uh, well, Chuck. You know, I, I'm I'm enjoying having you on the show. Is there is there anything else you wanna you wanna share with us before we let you go? Well, no. I just uh, it just occurred to me that uh, Don in those days that we were talking about did have a, a, a stage name, uh, Tiny Humbleton. Yes, was the name. I got that name when I was a kid. We were talking about when I, we, Bodie and I were talking about we used to both, both live on Summit Avenue, and I'd, I'd play those clubs. I was underage, and uh, 
I needed, uh, you know, my fake IDs. I had to come up with because I got busted by the alcoholic beverage yeah. for drinking underage. So they were on to me. So I, uh, I needed to. Uh, so what was your your idea? ID name was what? Well, you know, I'd go by different names, but the one that kind of stuck was Tiny Hamilton. Tiny Hamilton. And that one actually, people <laughs> called me Tiny for years. It was crazy. Well, that's, yeah. everyone loves an ironic. Like it's funny, your name twist, is yeah. ironic because it's tiny, but his his nickname, Big Head Chuck, kind of, yeah, he's well, it's more literal, you know. Yeah, gotta have room for all those brains. <laughs> yeah. So you know what? Before we let you go, Chuck, we've been talking a lot. We had Amy Allison on the show, Mose Allison's daughter. We've been talking about uh -huh. Mose Allison a bit. I'm just kind of curious. Before we let you go, do you have anything? Did you ever cross paths with Mose, or do you have any particular? No, 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 no. I just saw him play. I know, I know. I ever, never met him or anything like that. Are you? A, are you, so you were a fan of his music, obviously. Oh yeah. Yeah. You ever well, cover one of his songs? No, but I love uh, you know. Uh, I don't see why why he would do that because he did such a marvelous job at, <laughs> at everything that he wrote. I don't see why you would want to cover one of his songs. Well, it's so funny. Is a, You're not the well, first person to say that. I just think those songs are infinitely, deliciously coverable. But maybe I'm just arrogant. <laughs> oh, they're com they're coverable. I mean, I mean, they're coverable in the, in the in the fact that they're easy to remember and this and that. But. You're not going to sound as good. You're not going to beat them, that's no. for sure. Yeah. No. It's just it's just not going to happen, that's all. <laughs> yeah, uh, but Your Mind is on Vacation uh, is probably my favorite one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably my favorite one. You, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I, there's a, a quick funny story i tell you. I, we had, Mose Allison was on the show very, on Radio 8 Ball in like 2007, so his last tour through Seattle. And my mom turned me on to Mose Allison. And and so I, I've never had my mom, I almost have never had my mom on the show, but it was around, it was, I don't know if it was around Mother's Day or around her birthday, or it was just like, I had to do this for her. I got, I had her, like, I have him having you call in and ask a question with Mose Allison. And she asked a question. I, I won't go into it because it was long and confusing, like like my questions are. And the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And she got the song "Your Mind Is on Vacation." And Mose Allison comes back, and he's like, "I asked him, so what? Where did that song come from?" And he said, "Well, you know, I used to play. You know, I'm not going to do an impression. He, he said, I used to play shows, and when people would be talking during my sets, and that's what that song's about. Your mind is on vacation. Your mouth is working overtime. And my mom, she's just like, oh my god, because <laughs> she used to come to my shows and talk during them, and she'd be like, I don't. Why is that a problem? I talk through all shows. Like, because <laughs> you're horrible. You're horrible. I love you, but you're horrible. And so it was It was one of these moments that now my mom and I have of, like, he actually did therapy in our family. Like, he didn't even know it. But with that song and that story, he did massive therapy in our family. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I just love sharing. I'm sorry. I don't know what that has to do with anything except I love telling that short story cool. around that song. Wow. Have you had, like, and, and for me, I, like, people who talk during shows, maybe it's because my mom, that was my relationship with my mom, but it drives me crazy. And I feel like to be a really yeah. good professional musician, you have to get over that. Like, you have to let that go. People will talk during shows, but it seems so wrong. 
Yeah. Like well, you, there's lots of lots of wrongs. I mean, you know, I'll just go through it, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll try and remember that. <laughs> Thank you, Chuck. I'm going to try and find another opportunity to get you on the show because it's always a joy. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, thank you. And I hope you find your cat box. And you know what? Now that this is on the podcast, maybe someone will will find Step up an old plate. school pat yeah. bo- cat box for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that'd be great. From cat boxes to soup bones. We're going to wrap up this tribute to the great Chuck E. Weiss with a session that is likely to punch you right in the gut. When Eleni Mandel was the musical guest on Radio 8 Ball on December 17th, 2017, which happened to be our final episode as part of the Feral Audio Network, which became the Starburns Audio Network. So it had a gateway kind of feeling as a show, also being on the cusp of the solstice. And for this session, Eleni invited Chucky Weiss to be a guest and ask a question to the pop oracle of her music. And the session just naturally turned into a pretty moving tribute from someone who I consider to be a very accomplished and excellent songwriter and a performer to a man who she considers a mentor. I heard the news of Chucky's death from Elaney, and I don't know of any of Chuck's relatives personally, but when I think of those he left behind, it's Elaney I think of first. And, uh, well, let's just go to the session now. And welcome back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions like picking musical tarot cards. I'm your host, Andras Jones, here in the studio with Eleni Mandel. Hi. Providing the oracle fodder for our musical divinations and joining us on the phone from an undisclosed location in Hollywood, California, we have the great... Chuck E. Weiss. Welcome back to Radio 8 Ball, Chucky. Oh, thank you, brother. I'm, uh, it's great to be back. And uh, you and Elaney go back a long way. We do go back. We, we, it doesn't seem like it, but, you know, now that I uh, give it uh, a little bit of thought, it's been a long time. Well, I know. It really has. 1990, day yeah, we, after Thanksgiving, that's when we met. 1990, day after Thanksgiving. Do you, do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm Musso and Frank. That's right. Aw. And Eleni was telling us, uh, we, we were talking about Highland Grounds, and she was talking about working the door for you back in the day. Well, her, uh, she had a boyfriend at this time, and uh, out of the goodness of my heart, I gave him a job at the door, too, and he ended up uh, filtering. Did he really? Uh, my door money. I didn't know and, that. Uh, <laughs> oh, he, I mean, he took more money from me than you, I'm sure. Well, I'm, uh, yeah, maybe so. I don't know. I don't know how much he took from me. He sounds like a real prize. He sounds he like a, a real great, prize. really great guy. 
But there must have better, there must be other memories about Eleni than just her bad well, taste in boyfriends. Oh, shut up. I remember Chuck used to test me to see how good a strong of a door person I was. So he would show me how he wanted me to hold a wad of cash, and then he would try to grab it out of my hand to see if, if I was strong enough to uh, work for him successfully. And I think I passed. That's uh, those, are, is that is that a lesson you've had to teach other people? Is that something that someone taught you, Chuck? What's what's that? Well, the idea, like uh, Eleni saying that uh, that you taught her how to be a door person by trying to grab the money out of her hand. Is that something that you'd experienced of like people trying to grab the money out of your door person's hand in the past? Uh, yeah, it depends on you know where it is, but yeah, I've had that happen. Uh, it's it. It's not a major problem, but it has happened. Now, I should say sure. that for, for people, and I, uh, I'd encourage people to check out your last appearance on the show with All Day Sucker, where we went into a little bit of your history. But for people who don't know who you are, for a lot of us, we, uh, for at least for myself, one of the first places that I was ever able to go as a bar when I was 21 was the Central. And I would go and watch you and the goddamn liars at your residency there. And it was just uh, like a master class in what to me was like a, the purest form of old school rock and roll that I'd experienced up to that point. And, uh, and, and I always encourage people who listen to this to go check out your music. Certainly, you have a, there's other, I suppose there's other claims to fame, but, but really for me it lives, particularly on your record, Extremely Cool, which I, I'm always championing to people. I think it's just a fantastic, fantastic record. Oh, thank you. I sure appreciate that. But uh, I got to tell you, my best memory of Eleni is that uh, accidentally she was humming along back in 1990. I heard her hum along, and I knew from her humming that she was a natural. Aww. I could tell. I could tell right away she was a natural. And I tried my best to encourage her to... Uh, perform live because I knew she had told me that she wrote some songs he's making me cry no he he was my mentor he did so much for me did you ever did you ever play together have you have you performed together no not really we always said we would I mean she uh, she has sat in with uh, my trio before and I think she set in with my band. Oh. Yeah, maybe. But I have a cassette tape of us singing. Remember, ooh-wee, baby. That song, we were going to re- record a cover of it. And we there's a cassette somewhere that I have of us singing that together. Ooh-wee, yeah, baby, cool. baby, you're so fine. That one. We could still do that. Yeah. And then we you, could still do yeah. that. I, I miss liked, you, Chuck. I liked the rawness of uh, of the way it was done originally with that uh, raggedy piano, which just sounded so good. Mm-hmm. Sure did. Awesome. So, uh, so Chuck, what is what's your you know you know the the game here? What's your question for the Pop Oracle? It's going to be answered by Eleni's beautiful music. Well, what I'm wondering is why can't I? get any soup bones at the market anymore. <laughs> uh, I've been to Ralph's and I've been to uh, Gelson's 
I even uh, am Trader Joe's, and I'm unable to get soup bones, but preferably the knuckle bones. Dude, you speak in rock and roll. That sounds like a that sounds like a rock and roll lyric. But that's a great question. And now to engage the pop oracle on his behalf, I'm going to spin the wheel of eight. Na 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 na. We love And the answer is song number three, Home. No way, really? Yeah. That's so weird. She said, Charlie boy, she knows you're sweet From the head on your head to the shoes on your feet She's seen you walking and she knows where you go. Home, home, home. She only wanted to love you. Well, she never could, but she wanted to. She dreamed about all of the places you'd go.
And that was Home from Eleni Mandel, the answer to Chucky Weiss's question, why can't I get any good soup bones in the supermarket anymore? <laughs> and uh, let's just toss this over to Eleni. You had immediate, an immediate reaction to that. What was, uh, what was it that struck you so much about that? Um, well, you know, I wrote that song for you. Yeah. And um, it was one of the first songs I ever wrote that I thought was pretty good. And then you told me it was good. So I felt like it was the first, you know, it was like my road, my arrow pointing to I'm I'm supposed to play music. That's, you know, it was my validation that I needed. And then you knew I was a big fan of Tom's. And so that was the song you said, I'm, you know, wear your blue dress and bring your guitar. I want Tom to hear you play tonight. And um, And that's the song I played. And then he told me it was good. And I always said... If it wasn't for for that, for the validation um, from both of you, then I I don't know. I might have ended up a lawyer. <laughs> so it wow. means a lot to me. Well, that song speaks for itself. That's all I have to say. Never did need any validation. It was really great. Right out of the box. Matter of fact, uh, you said there's a Russian version of that, isn't there? <laughs> There's a Russian version? Yeah. He used to always tease me. He used to always tease me with that. Um, yeah, well... Um, yeah, back to the soup bones. Well, <laughs> well, I just... I mean, I think about it is, is the kind of thing is that that's... It's like an old school thing and it, that's... Uh, you know, you got to find... I guess the reason... The reason it's hard to find that is because... The businesses, the supermarkets, they're 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 less connected to our place, and then then maybe in what we what we grew up in and what we're used to. What do you use the soup bones for? Is this I mean, you're making them? What hey, kind brother, of soup? I really do make soup. Yeah, what kind of soup do you make? Well, usually <clears throat> I like to bean bean uh, a lot of bean mushroom vegetable uh, combination. And uh, I, I, you know, I, I keep the bones in, and when the soup's all done, I love to chew on the bones. Sure. You actually you you pull the you pull the bones out and chew on. You're the usually people give them to the dog, isn't that isn't that kind of the the thing? I've never had a dog, and I I don't cook a lot of soup, so I'm a little bit out of my depth. I can talk about songs, well, my, but my mom used to do that when she made soup. She'd give it to the dog, but I have cats. And uh, I don't want to give them something that's been cooked. I would give it to them without cooking it, no problem. But if you give it to them after it's been cooked, they could get a sliver and uh, choke on it. And we do not want that. How many cats do you have, Chuck? Well, I have uh, two. Uh, I've had as many as four, but I'm down to two. So I mean, it's funny because I—I I mean, I just think of you as such a cat that it's—I love that you have cats, and I'm—you know—I'm—I'm I'm a Leo myself, so I have an affinity for for cat people, uh, and for and for the for the movie cat people, both of them actually. I, everything, all anything cats, I'm I dig. So, Elaine used to have cats when I lived. Um, Chuck got me my first apartment in the same complex where he lives, which is one of the old Hollywood kind of courtyard apartments, and I had cats there. That was the last time I ever had cats. 
where, you have them. Where was that apartment? Right in Hollywood. On Argyle. Yeah. Oh, right, on Argyle. Right by the freeway. I love those old Hollywood places. Yeah, uh, oh, they're all over the place, man. They're usually uh, really cool. Uh, you now, uh, now, Chuck. I don't know. Are you originally from from California? Or are you? Uh, are did you move out here at some point? I moved out here. Um, I'm originally from uh, Denver, Colorado. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's what I say. Oh. And uh, I moved out here and uh, at different times in my life. Uh, my dad had an aunt who was an ex-Zigfield lady, and I moved out here to stay with her when I got in some trouble at school. It was my dad's aunt, and he told me, be careful. She kicked me out uh, after two weeks, so you better be good. So naturally, she kicked me out after two weeks also. Okay, so that's one time. And then another time I came here, just started, uh, on my way from driving around the country, and then uh, the last time I came here was to write some songs with uh, Tom Waits on an album uh, called Nighthawks at the Diner, and then I stayed. That's a pretty good intro to L.A., I think. I wasn't aware that you contributed to Nighthawks at the Diner. He's on the cover. Well, I wasn't a big contribution. I just co-wrote a couple of songs. Just co-wrote but a couple felt, of songs on one of the greatest records. Yeah, just that. <laughs> but I, but I felt, I felt like I was really a part of something great, and uh, uh, so you know, it, it was, it was a much bigger deal for me than it really was in actuality. I guess. I think that's a lot of people's Hollywood story. You know, you come out here and you're wide-eyed, and you just see, you know, it seems so impossible, and then you find yourself in the midst of it. I'm sure that Elaney had the similar experience finding herself hanging out with you and playing a song for Tom Waits through you. And, I, you know, that's, in a way, I think that that is the, the purest quintessential Hollywood experience before you know that it's possible and all of a sudden you find yourself in the midst of it. And certainly finding yourself in the middle of the Tom Waits scene at that time. You know, I'm actually kind of curious. This is something I was thinking about. This is just a little bit of rock rock history. I'm going to go down a little rabbit hole here. Are, are either of you familiar with Jack T. Chick tracks? They're the little Christian uh, proselytizing pamphlets, like comic books. I would always find, I was. I took a lot of public transportation. I'd find them and they'd scare the scare me to death. Um, you know, And I, I just found out that he was from Rancho Cucamonga. And then I was thinking, well, that's crazy that this guy, Jack T. Chick, who is from the same place that Frank Zappa and um, Captain Beefheart are from. And then I was thinking about, I was thinking recently about Lowell George because we had Anara on the show and how he came out of the Frank Zappa scene and how Tom, Tom Waits came out of the Frank Zappa scene. And so as someone, this is, I'm going, I'm getting to a point here, as someone who was working with Tom Waits around that time, did you feel the influence of Frank Zappa around it? Was it still was he still a presence in the Tom Waits world at that time, or was was that just not well, sort of yeah. a non-issue? No, he was uh, because Tom was uh, managed by the same uh, people that uh, managed Frank, and actually Frank was co-manager uh, at that time. <clears throat> 
with uh, with that manager who was Herb Cohn. They were partners. They had uh, what you call it, Larry, uh, Larry Wildman Fisher. And they had a uh, oh man, the name of the piano player. Oh, I forgot his name. The guy that played piano with Frank. What was that guy's name? Hmm. Remember? I don't. Anyway, yeah. pretty famous guy. I think. Oh, God, I can't. It uh, just escapes me right now. And they, you know, and Flo and Eddie, and they had a, they had a whole little uh, uh, shop down there on uh, Gower and uh, Sunset, where the offices were. And I came down there quite often. Uh, and and Frank was uh, a part of it, but I don't think. Uh, I don't think he was really ever really involved with Tom. I think what happened was uh, Tom had opened the show for him on the road a few times, and then that was that. I don't think they ever uh, had a relationship after that. Was the keyboard player uh, Tommy Mars? No. I'm um, doing some research. I was just looking online to see if I could find him. No, uh, it was... Uh, God, I can't remember the guy's name, man. It was uh, uh, I'm going to say George. But, George uh, Duke. I think the was it George Duke? Uh, George Duke. There you go. That's it. Okay, we got it. Yeah. I always just think that's a really, I don't think a lot of people connect that dot of uh, Zappa to Tom Waits. I don't know if we uh, we actually found a way to help you find soup bones in the supermarket. Well, I live near a, a schmancy uh, butcher shop now, Chuck, up on um, Hillhurst, so I'll get you some soup bones. Make sure they're knuckle bones. Okay. Make sure they're knuckle bones. Well, we're hooking you up here. We're going to make sure you get your bones, uh, Chucky. And uh, as always, thank you so much for being a part of this. And just thank you for everything everything you've you've given. Your music has meant so much to so many of us. Hey, no problem, brother. <clears throat> it was always a pleasure. Bye, Lainey. Bye. I'm yelling and yeah. didn't mean to yell into the mic. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy. We do a lot of crying on this show. So do you really? You're not the first person to cry on this show. I've done it. Morty did Morty did it. Well, that's it. If this is the first you're hearing of this local legend from the biggest showbiz town in the world... Chuck probably wouldn't blame you. In fact, he'd probably give you a mischievous look over the top of his glasses as if to welcome you to the party and let you know that even though you're arriving late, we're glad you're here. I will be posting links to all of these episodes in the show notes, and I'll be bringing you up to speed on all things Pop Oracle in an episode coming out on August 8th. For now... Let's go out with Extremely Cool and Do You Know What I Edie I Mean from Chucky Weiss's album entitled Extremely Cool and produced by his old pal, Tom Waits. Until next time, I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle.
Well, I was a men's room attendant my last life at the Desert Inn Hotel. And I saw some hip cats buy your record over in Minneapolis. I knew you're doing well. Sinatra's men, they had me rubbed out because I opened up my big mouth. <laughs> well, it wouldn't take very long to find out what I'm all about. I got a red Indian with a jet off key that goes into overdrive. And my clothes, they're the serious 40s fabric. Make you feel alive My uncle, he's the king of my sugarness He be living down in Timbuktu If you want to know what I'm talking about Turn the page, extremely cool Extremely cool Extremely cool I got a very large bank account and a little small PP. And my girl, she'd rather ride that Harley Davidson than me. Cause that's why I love it so extremely cool. Extremely cool. Should look at do. My father, he got too much wiggage, therefore he is giggless. And my sister, she's a punk in New York City. She's a junkie who is regular. If you want to find me, it's not very hard to do. You just dial information, that's the operator for Extremely Cool. Extremely Cool.
Four blacks back, I flipped my sack down at Roscoe's for some fat back. Sheila Swartz, Sister Sholmo, Chuck Schmeckles at the seashore on Shabbos. Do you know what I mean? I mean, do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? I mean, do you know what I mean? Repeat kitten, sitting on a stoop, he's man-headed hat and looking so cute. Vladimir Titler was a uber-uber man, his daddy's on his back and his mama's eating spam. Do you know what I mean? I mean, do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? I mean, do you know what I mean? Shark skin Charles and watermelon head woke up this morning with weebles in their bed. And Hazel climbs the stairs, cause she don't give a damn. I'm gonna eat all the mighty fine pudding that I can. Do you know what I mean? I mean, do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? I mean, do you know what I mean?
extremely positive podcast where Andras Jones and Brian Connolly champion films The World is Wrong About. Available on Paperhouse Network wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>